Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. Because I know there's some guys who are like, oh, no, you know, I'm sticking to my diet. Well, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plan to make sure that I can have a plate. It's Monday, November 28th. Out with the old, in with the new for starting quarterbacks around the NFL this week. It's a, it's a crazy slate here in week 12. A lot of interesting games, a lot of things to break down here to do all of it with me is the great, the one and only Scott Pienowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, you you set that up well. Um, A lot of new quarterbacks. uh, Some played well, some didn't play as well. A lot of scoring, a lot of overtime games. Um, This was, every Sunday is interesting and weird in its own way, but I thought thought there was a lot of good that happened for fantasy. A lot of stuff that was gettable in fantasy. I wish I, I always wish I had a better week, but... I feel like this is more satisfying than most. I feel like more things came through that made sense this week than maybe in the average week. Yeah, that always does uh, make that Sunday night feeling a little bit better when it's like, okay, that makes some sense. That was a little bit closer to the reality of what we saw coming. That always helps. Um, I will say this. Not a lot of folks, except Andy Barons. We're going to let him gloat tomorrow, so we won't give him too much praise here. Uh, But, you know, not many folks saw this Josh Jacobs season coming. Um, I think today was really a defining moment uh, in this Josh Jacobs campaign. 33 carries, six catches for 74 yards, 300 total yards on the day for Josh Jacobs, including the walk-off home run, uh, the walk-off home run, (laughs) the walk-off touchdown in overtime there for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Our friend Pat Doherty from NBC noted that Josh Jacobs finishes with 303 yards from scrimmage. It's only the 11th time in NFL's history someone has cleared 300, and just the sixth time this century, the last to do it was Julio Jones in week four of the 2016 season. Man, it was, um, you know, this is two, what, two weeks in a row. Uh, a Raiders player has had a walk-off touchdown uh, in overtime. Josh Jacobs gets his. Devontae Adams gets his own last week. Hell of a performance from Josh Jacobs and what ended up being a really fun and beefy fantasy game. Yeah, I was one of the faders of Jacobs. He's this guy I did not draft at all. And I didn't expect him to have the receiving role that he has. Obviously, he makes his money on the ground. Thir- 39 touches in this game, just absurd. 
And we know he has a really heavy touchdown split to games when the Raiders win. I, I had trouble coming up with the Raiders winning this game. I thought Seattle minus the points was a good play. I thought Seattle money line was a good play. Had a lot of tickets that got ripped up when this game didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. But yeah, I, I, what can I say? I'm taking the L on Jacobs. You know, they, they did not pick up his option. I mean, and we know that running back shelf lives can be really short. So he was somebody I was nervous about. I wasn't sure how much I trusted this offensive line. I thought this team maybe would be the worst team in that division, which they may or may not be, depending on how you feel about the Broncos. Great defense, horrible offense. But, but bottom line is this. I mean, you know, Andy was in on Jacobs. He wins. I was out on Jacobs. You know, that's certainly a loss. I'll take it. I wish Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr, I, I can't, wish he'd pick a lane. You know, you watch him on the right drive. It's like, okay, here's a top 10 quarterback in the league. You watch him on the wrong drive. And you're like, oh, I can see why the Raiders and Derek Carr are maybe headed for a divorce. You hear people joking, like, you know, is Derek Carr the next quarterback of the New York Jets? Stuff like that. I don't I want to live in a world where, like, your cousins and Derek Carr, guys like that, are above average quarterbacks. And I, I struggle with those guys. I feel like I, I'm almost changing my opinion of them every couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, I think the, but that's like the definition of that bucket of quarterback in the NFL, right? Fair. I mean, that's like the guys that aren't quite in the elite tier, are, but are still good players. Uh, but you know, they ride with the rest, like the, they ride the ray, the wave with the rest of the guys around them. You know, guys other than um, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, who really have like elite, elite fantasy roles. Uh, Jacobs has an elite fantasy role, which I didn't see coming either, Scott. Like, I was right there with you with Josh Jacobs, a guy that I have on 0.0 teams. You know, Devontae Adams also has an elite role in the receiving uh, room. But, you know, Foster Moreau gets a touchdown. Matt Collins gets a touchdown. This is just a really good, clean game um, by Derek Carr. I almost kind of wish, Scott, that the, the Seahawks defense would pick a lane because at different points of the season, we have picked on them. And other times we've been like, oh, let's walk that back. This young group is really showing out. But, you know, uh, a team that has some offensive talent here in Vegas gets over on this defense. I want to talk about the the Seahawks offense a little bit here because, you know, Geno Smith, um, the, the bottom line stats look really good. He carries the ball five times as well for 22 yards, throws an interception. He was trying to throw a few others in this game uh, when I watched it. He was definitely uh, came away with some, you know, near interceptions as well. Any sort of concern building about the Geno Smith experience? Or are we still just kind of r- riding with this guy and the way he's getting the ball to lock it and Metcalf here? Yeah, I like the way you frame that. I thought it was a much better fantasy game than it was a real-life game. He has the interception. He has the fumble lost. And as you said, he threw a, cu- a couple of you know hopeful balls that easily could have been picked against the Raider defense that you're supposed to pick on. So we have to mind the gap between fantasy and reality. He's still getting the ball to his playmakers. You know, Metcalf was good. Lockett was good. Uh, Kenneth Walker got by on touchdown deodorant. The Raiders did an excellent job of bottling him up, and he yeah, wasn't really much did. of a factor in this game. But again, you know, when you get in the end zone twice, how bad can your fantasy day be? But this is the type of game where if you just looked at the box screen, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Gino, he's rolling right along. And, and this is the type of day against the Raiders' defense that isn't any good, or not that much to say about it. Max Crosby you know, brings it on every snap, but it felt like he was in Gino's face all day. I, I know, again, they only sacked him three times, they hired him a bunch of times. This was the type of game where I'm thinking I worry about the Geno Smith experience hitting that midnight, you know, him becoming a pumpkin. This is the type of game. And it sounds crazy, right? Because they scored yeah. 34 points. He threw for over 300 yards. But again, it's living and dying with him on every snap today was, I thought, very frustrating. And I can see levels of concern. Now, there's, there's no other card for them to play. This isn't like baseball. It's like, oh, Geno's on, you know, Geno's out of, out of gas. Let's just go to Drew Locke now. Yeah, I mean, they're going to live happening. or die with, <laughs> with Yeah, of course. And Geno's earned the right to have a game like this where he doesn't play as clean as he could have. 
Yeah, plus he got he did get a possession in overtime, right? I mean, all they needed was a field goal. The Raiders had missed the long Carlson kick, so he didn't even really need to do that much. A couple of first downs that probably would have iced the game for Seattle. They didn't even get a first down. I even thought as poorly as Seattle's defense played when Seattle had fourth and five in that overtime possession, I actually thought it, they should have discussed in the booth of maybe Seattle going for it because I didn't feel confident that Seattle would stop the Raiders. No, great. I didn't think Jacobs would have like an 86-yard touchdown to end right. the game, but you raise, it, you raise a good point. Cam, is Geno Smith a circle of trust quarterback for the fantasy playoffs? And it, I don't know. That's a great question of which I do not right now have an accurate answer. Me too. It's something I'm going to kick around, I think, and you know, talk about on the show over the course of the week because I don't think he played all that well in the Bucks game uh, before the bye. So really in two consecutive games here, we've gotten sort of meh Geno. And to be fair, like I think just for the rest of the season, just in terms of like ranking the quarterbacks out, like I, I think – Gino's no worse than a guy like Derek Carr. Gino's no worse than a guy like Kirk Cousins. You know, he's still going to fit both in real life, I think, in fantasy, too. He's going to probably fit into that bucket of quarterback, like guy that you consider starting, guy that you're comfortable streaming in fantasy, and a guy that, you know, is good enough for you to win with in the real life NFL games. But I, I think it's more of a question of, well, I mean, because to be fair, Scott, again, Gino, from like an efficiency perspective, from a statistical perspective, was way out kicking those guys, you know, early in the year. So if we're regressing him to the point of he's now a Derek Carr type of quarterback, like that's still way higher than anybody expected Gino Smith to be, both in fantasy and reality. So I don't think we're coming down too hard on Gino here because, again, what he was doing to start the year when he was like number one in completion percentage over expectation, like top five quarterback in EPA per drop back. That, that stuff was great, but it was probably always going to regress a little bit. And I think we're now in that moment. Right. And he could also be dragged to greatness by his two receivers, but by Metcalf and Lockett. And you know, Walker's going to have better games. Walker did not play well today. They weren't really running him. Yeah, I don't want to pin it on him, but at least there's good infrastructure around him. I, I guess just off Seattle's bye, I was disappointed to see them come out so flat in so many different ways. And again, I thought they were going to win this game, but Geno Smith, I mean, I, you can't rank him that low because he's he's got job security and he's throwing to one of the best, not the best receiver tandem in the league, but certainly one of the three or four or five best. Not many teams can go as deep as they do at the top of their receiver chart. So um, yeah, maybe Seattle's, it's funny, they were a carnival early on and then the defense started to play better. And it's like, oh, well, maybe the carnival's getting you know out of town. Maybe it's been unplugged. I mean, this certainly had a carnival atmosphere to it, just a ridiculous amount of yards. Most of the fantasy plays got home in this game. So maybe Seattle's going to be one of those you know stone over teams for the rest of the season. Maybe we'll see more of these you know first team to 30 wins types of games. Yeah, I think that is certainly within the realm of possibility. All right, next game up here, Jets 31, Bears 10. Scott, I got a lot of thoughts here. I think everybody's got a lot of thoughts here, but I want to hear what you have to say first on this one. Yeah, Mike White, you know, just breath of fresh air, man. Just a, a sip of cold water in the Oasis. We were all sick of watching Zach Wilson play. And on the first drive, the, the Jets had a touchdown on their first drive. The second play of the game, Mike White ripped a, a slant pass to Garrett Wilson, who really wasn't that separated from the defender. And the timing was there and the accuracy was there. The trust was there. And I'm like, okay, here we go, man. 
and look, I think the Jets played really well around White. I think they had a good game plan. They, they set up a lot of easy throws. A lot of his completions were the guys who were wide open, whether it's through the play design or through busts in this really awful Chicago defense. This is not the 1985 Bears, one of the three or four worst defenses in the league. So this was the landing spot. This is a great time to come in if you're Mike White and get the starting gig. But I thought he made some really great throws to guys who weren't that wide open either. He gets Wilson to a big game. We see Elijah Moore. He only, only had two targets, but they were both chunk plays, right? A 40-yard catch and then a 22-yard touchdown. It's just good to see Elijah Moore back in the game. Conklin had some easy completions off that boot action. The distribution was a little wider than we'd like to see it. Okay, I can live with that. But look at the schedule coming up, right? They get Minnesota next week, and they just made Mac Jones look like a Manning brother <laughs> on Thanksgiving night. Then they play Buffalo. Okay, good defense there. But then they get the Detroit after that. It's Certainly possible that Mike White could be the and I get it. Look, last year he you know, he was he was the the porridge where he had like the good game and the bad game and the medium game and you know, he's a journeyman and he was a fifth round pick and the Cowboys didn't play him. The Jets have cut Mike White several times as they've bounced him up and down off their practice squad. Everybody in the league could have had Mike White at one point if they wanted him. So it's not like he has any kind of pedigree. But we all as people who are interested in the Jets' offense because we're interested in Garrett Wilson or interested in Michael Carter, who unfortunately got hurt today, interested in Elijah Moore, we needed to see competent quarterback play. And, yeah, against the Bears, they stink. I get it, especially on defense, they stink. But at least White knew where to go with the ball. I thought the game plan was really good. I, I thought he showed enough mobility, confidence. Um, he was decisive. Deci now, when you say a quarterback's decisive, you could flip that the other way and say, well, maybe he's locked in on his first read too much. But, hey, he was completing those passes. And the schedule plays favorably. So the great news here is if you have Garrett Wilson, you could probably think about playing him the rest of the year. Elijah Moore may be off the restricted list. You may be playing Ty Conklin in week 14 when six teams don't play. Tight end is so gross that three for 50 is actually a useful game. I just It's just so nice to not have Zach Wilson in my life for three hours. And it was really fun to have Mike. I have no idea. Mike White could pumpkin, definitely. Oh, yeah. But they have to keep playing him. And I, I doubt that... Sal is going to come out and say, oh, you know, Mike White's the answer for the rest of the season or, you know, Mike White's a long-term answer. But this is a team that has the defense that's playoff ready. This is a team that has playmakers that everybody envies. And But, you know, I joked in, in my article, I said, it's like the steakhouse that had everything, but the steaks were lousy. You know, today they had really good steak. And, and it's just so nice to see that in an offense surrounded by pieces we were already interested in. Yeah, look, I almost like, and you're you're right to point out the fact that this is the Bears. And they, since they traded all their dudes, they've been like 32nd EPA per play allowed. This defense is not good. But is there, do you have any faith that like Zach Wilson would have come out there and had a 300 yard game and three touchdowns against his team? No. God, no. Like, I, have, like, I have no faith in Zach Wilson at all. Yeah. 100%. And the, the, pro the problem, Matt, too, is that the team doesn't believe in Zach Wilson. It's I, so I think true. it's entirely possible to say that the Jets played better around Mike White because what happens is when you make a quarterback change like this, you know, when Garrett Wilson's like basically said, hey, man, What's going on here? We got to do something. We got to change something here. When they make the change, okay, fine. There's no excuses now. We've gotten the guy out who's the scapegoat. I think that it's conceivable to say that the Jets played better for Mike White than they might have for Zach Wilson. Not that they're not trying, but when you don't believe in something, yeah, when somebody the puts in a play or yeah, right. It's it's sometimes those plays. They say like in golf, if you're not committed to the shot, that the shot's dead before you even hit it. I felt like the Jets' offense was like a golf shot you weren't committed to with Zach Wilson. It's like, oh, okay, you want me to you want me to try that play? I'm just going to hit in the woods. You know, I'm going to make a seven on this hole 
That's what the Jets were. They were a bunch of triple bogeys with Zach Wilson. I hope we don't see Zach Wilson the rest of the season. And the Jets, man, they, they have so much fun. They have uh, swagger on defense, swagger on offense. They certainly look like a playoff team to me. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised they beat anybody. I mean, they beat Buffalo sure, a few yeah. weeks ago in a game that was not at all fluky. Now, we'll see what happens in the backfield. I'm not sure how serious the Carter injury is. Surprisingly, James Robinson was not active for this game. Co- you know, coaching decision. He was a healthy scratch. Maybe that's going to flip now that Carter may, may need to miss some time. I mean, you know, Ty Johnson's kind of a, a journeyman. I know nothing about Zonovan Knight, to be honest with you. I think he's the first person I've ever met named Zonovan. So I got that going for me, which is nice. But at least the schedule plays nice. Minnesota's defense stinks. You know, they're a good team. Good offense. I call them a decal defense because you think of the Vikings. Oh, yeah, they have a good defense. Yeah, they had Mike Zimmer for a million years. Of course, the Vikings have a good defense. No, they have a lousy defense. And Mac Jones just sliced it on on Thursday night. I I think next week, I think Garrett Wilson's already in the end zone. I'm going to be betting Garrett Wilson props next week. I may bet Elijah Moore props next week. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I mean, the guys literally after the game were like the players in the locker room were yelling like Elijah Moore is free. He's free. He's free. Like free, they freed that man, you know, after this game, like which I think a lot of folks rightly made the connection about it. Like, is that a statement about Zach Wilson? I don't know about that stuff. But what I do know, Scott, is like Robert Sala said after the game, and this really st- stuck with me because it it hits on a point that I've been making like since the Zach Wilson stuff started going down where they, it was clear they were going to bench him. Robert Sala said that Mike White, quote, made easy look easy. And it's like, yeah, like this was an easy assignment. This offense makes quarterbacks look better than they are. Why do you think for years we've marveled at like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo consistently ranks among the game's best quarterbacks in EPA per dropback. Like, and even when Garoppolo misses time, like, oh, you know, CJ Beathard has big games. Nick Mullins has big games. It's like, well, yeah, because this offense, and obviously Mike LaFleur is they're higher away from the 49ers. This offense makes quarterbacks look better than they are. And by the way, that's worked for the Jets when it's not Zach Wilson. I saw this tweet from Scott Barrett that uh, team passing yard leaders by yards per game for over the last two years. Number one is the Jets. When Zach Wilson doesn't play, they average 319 passing yards per game. Number two, the Chiefs. Number three, the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera. When Zach Wilson does play, they average 165.6 yards per game. So that works. And, and of course, we love the players there, too. You, you mentioned all the guys. You know I love all those dudes, too. And they have depth beyond Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Like, as long as they – I don't know how good Mike White is. I don't know if he's the right – if he's the answer going forward. Probably, I would say probably not. Like, he might be at best a good backup quarterback. But, like, a normal NFL quarterback in this well-designed, talent-rich offense – yeah, like we're we're juicing up expectations for all these dudes. Like it almost has nothing to do with Mike White and everything to do with not Zach Wilson. And I know that seems harsh, but like Robert Sala even said it this week, Scott, that they want him to not be playing right now so that he can focus on his fundamentals, like relearning how to play the position, which is crazy for a second year NFL quarterback. But it's just like the reality of where Wilson is right now. The team knows it and everybody else knows it. Plus, the fact is. I talked about this on Twitter this week, the the micro versus macro discussion, where on one hand, you would think, okay, we spent so much draft capital on Zach Wilson. The priority needs to be finding out about him, developing him. He needs to be the centerpiece. But in the short term, this is a team that is ready to go to the playoffs. And yeah, how can you ask for, for a week? How can you ask for weekly and, and snap by snap buy in from your full roster if you're going to play the long game at quarterback? I mean, you, you need to, we're a playoff team now, right? You're going to give us a, a quarterback who gives us a chance to win. That Patriot game was screaming to be won. 
And Zach Wilson basically said, no, I, I refuse to win this game. They put up 103 total yards. So you, you have to do something. Now, we didn't have to deal with Zach Wilson today, but unfortunately, Justin Fields couldn't go. Uh, we, we got the the rug pulled out from us a little bit. Where it looked like Nathan Peterman would start. I, I actually put the Jets. I put the Jets defense in when I saw that. I benched Miami's defense. Fortunately, it's not going to cost me the game. I'm just going to lose anyway. But um, and then I saw Simeon play. I'm like, wait a minute, Trevor Trevor Simeon, who I mean, who, who looks like Johnny Unitas compared to Nathan Peterman. But uh, the Bears, I, I know they, you know, they were frisky for about ten minutes in this game. But you know, they did nothing on offense. Mooney got hurt. Uh, Claypool had some fun downfield. You know, fighting with Sauce Gardner, that was kind of a fun matchup. I'm curious to see if they can get anything going with Claypool next year. But what I would like to see them do is just put Justin Fields in bubble wrap for as long as it takes, man. I do not take any chance with this guy. He's your future. You still don't have the right infrastructure around him. It was smart not to play him today. You're not going anywhere. But he's he's a guy you, you do think you have an upside with, a ceiling with. Don't take any chance. Now, obviously, when he comes back, you know, how many design runs can you really call every week? That's going to be the big question with him. But um, I have nothing to say about the Chicago offense. I mean, you're going to play whoever their starting running back is. It's Montgomery as long as Herbert's hurt. But um, I'm not surprised they scored 10 points. In fact, I, you know, whatever their over-under total was today, I think that was a stone lock. Yeah, I think what you said about how the Jets can't afford to take the long game because they're too good, like the Bears can't afford to take the long game with Justin Fields, and I think it's smart for them to do so. And, um, you know, yeah, I hope they don't throw him out there. And, you know, they, they just have to kind of they're, – they're in the situation where they have to deal with, like, the push and pull of where they are as a team and, like, what they can do to get the best out of Fields. But when Fields is not out there, like, this is what the offense looks like, and it's not really interesting to look at, quite frankly. So next game up here, Chargers 25, Cardinals 24. Very stressful <laughs> final drive. Um, you know, this watching this game, man, it was – this was one of those moments where all the whole time I'm I'm ready and willing to come onto this podcast and like rip into Joe Lombardi, talk about like my God, the lack of in-game adjustments. Corey Lindsley, their center, you know, who who does so much work there at the pivot point, um, gets hurt, and they still just drop Justin Herbert back, and there's just a real lack of adjustment. The offense is not well designed. Well, you know, they have a, they design a great play there to win the game on a two-point conversion to. Um, so I definitely want to break down with Austin Eckler um, this week. Want to want to kind of dig into that play a little bit because I think he did a lot of work to pull the defense away, and then Gerald Everett just wide open there for a two point conversion. So the great play there, um, great ending for the Chargers. Uh, this game was pretty fun for fantasy. You know, a lot of guys that we care about made their way into the end zone. Yeah, the the one buzz kill, and I know he caught the two point conversion at the end of the game, but I, once Gerald Everett was cleared to play. And taking off the injury report, I'm like, oh, here we go. Gerald Everett against this Arizona tight end giveaway. Good Great. Point. Yeah. Mike Williams out. Great. Um, and it was a disappointing game for Everett. Uh, the Cardinals actually forced Justin Herbert to be patient in this game. You know, he didn't even average six yards per attempt. But um, he, he kept the game clean with no turnovers. Arizona put up a fight. It's interesting. That, you know, a couple of teams went for two points at the end of the game. We saw Jacksonville do that. Against Baltimore, we saw the Chargers do that against Arizona. And while I'm not – I think there's a, a pro and a con to that, but at least these teams aren't playing scared. They're not afraid to lose. They're not afraid to, you know, oh, i got to do the conventional thing. I have to play for overtime. Um, that's reassuring to me. I, You know, Justin Herbert, I, I still don't know how healthy he is, and it feels like every week one of his pieces is missing. I mean, the first time he got Allen and Williams back a couple of weeks ago, Williams got hurt right away. 
So I want to see, not, not that the Chargers pieces are bad, but I mean, Keenan Allen is he's certainly on the back nine of his career. You know, Williams is getting closer to 30. I feel like they're they're playing a receiver short. We were all hoping that they would add one during the trade deadline. It didn't happen. They have to throw to Eckler, I feel like, 10 times a week. Would he have 16 targets today or something like yeah. that? I mean, he, Eckler's a good receiver. I, I, and I think he'd be a nice garnish in the passing game. I think they're used they're relying on him much more than they ideally would like to, but they don't maybe have the receiver room that they want. On the flip side, man, the, the Cardinals, I mean, they, the Cardinals could have won this game. James Conner had a decent game and everything, but I, I always feel like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are, are not on the same page. I, I, this offense doesn't seem copacetic to me. It just it seems like the, the dots don't connect. They leave plays on the field. Um, you, just the body language with Kyler, I, don't th- I think he feels kind of stymied in this offense. I, I realize Arizona was only a couple plays away from, from winning this game, but they're a difficult watch for me. They're a team I struggle with. Uh, yeah, they're they, they're a team I struggle with too, and I I kind of they're definitely a chicken and egg team with me. Where you know we we talk about this all the time that a lot of what um, the Cardinals do well is the off script stuff with with Kyler, and it feels like the on script stuff is not very good. I I kind of go back and forth on what is Kyler just not good on script, or is the on script stuff from the offense not very good? I will give credit to one thing on Arizona: Marquise Brown comes back. He runs around on 93.9% of the dropbacks. He out-targets DeAndre Hopkins. I thought that was encouraging for Marquise Brown. Also really encouraging, took 58.3% of his snaps in the slot. Like, he was a pure outside player. I actually really, just to give, just to say something nice about Arizona, I do really like the way they've used Marquise Brown this year, that they haven't really gotten him down the field as a speed threat, but they've used him, used him as more of an underneath um, zone beating speed threat to then like make plays in the open field as a speed guy. And it didn't have a big game or anything in this one, but I thought his usage has been really encouraging all year. And then this particularly, obviously with Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch out, all that slot usage I thought was really encouraging for the long-term prospects of Marquise Brown. If this usage does hold up. And man, uh, Trey McBride, Mackey award winner. He uh, can't seem to get off the mark. One catch, one yard, Not three great. targets. I know some people were looking at him as a possible fill-in if you're screwed up. I mean, a, a tight end gets hurt every week. We know it's just the nature of the game. But, you know, Brown Brown, and, and Murray, obviously, they they played together in college, and they were riffing really well early in the season. I, I would think Hopkins, Brown, and, and Murray are all fairly playable down the stretch. And Connors get the backfield to himself, right? I mean, yeah. just a million carries, and, you know, they gave a couple to Ingram, and that's it. And, and I know Kyler had a touchdown today on the ground, but, man, he has just been so reluctant to run. Actually, he did a little bit more of it today, but I, I don't know. It used to be that every time Arizona scored a rushing touchdown a couple of years ago, I expected it to be Murray. And then last year, you know, Connor got all of them. And then things have really fallen well for Connor with, you know, you know, Benjamin getting dispatched. I'm not really sure what the story is there. And Murray not being as much of a proactive runner most weeks. So Arizona may be a team that they're probably headed towards five or six wins, but at least we know where their bread is buttered for fantasy. Yeah. Um, they're very similar to LA, uh, the chargers that they have not had like any of their dudes on the field at the same time. So it's kind of tough to predict their usage week to week, but man, I do like, uh, the, I do like the Hopkins Brown wide receiver tandem for what that's worth. Um, let's move on to the next game here. Browns 23 bucks, 17 overtime victory for the Cleveland Browns and what amounted to Jacoby Brissett's, uh, last start for the team, uh, certainly for this year, you know, barring any injury to Deshaun Watson, who's going to come back off suspension next week. Uh, Jaco- I did feel good for Jacoby Brissett that he gets this win, man. You know, he said after the game, um, not to, he said not no disrespect, but to quote Tom Brady, that was 
effing fun. Uh, so it was pretty cool to see Jacoby having some fun with that. It feels like he's had a good ride here. Um, Browns get the win. The Bucks, man. I mean, <laughs> I just like I don't know what to say about this team anymore. Like, it's just they're just so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fournette can't go. Mike Evans done a bunch of my teams, and that has not worked out at all. You know, Julio looks like he has just about nothing left. It was really encouraging to see Chris Godwin finally looking 100%, and he yeah, dominated the offense week. today. He was terrific. Was a great fan. It was a great DFS pick this week. But I, I don't think it's really on Brady, although Brady's at a point in his career. I mean, obviously, he's 45. He, he needs – things to be in the right place and he needs certain pieces. He needs the offensive line to be a certain way. I think he certainly misses Gronkowski. I, Evans looks like he's lost a half step. Tristan um, worse Godwin, hurt oh, again in this, in this one too. There's been right, right, yeah, injuries a huge all loss year. to the line. Right. Right. Yeah. It feels like he hasn't had the offensive line continuity and somehow they find a way to lose this game. You know, they were still in control of this game and you know, Cleveland, they, they come back late with that great Njoku catch. As you said, Brissett's a good story. Nick Chubb's just eventually going to bust loose. We know that. Uh, Amari Cooper, even though he had a one really bad drop, but he's been another guy I wish I was in on. He was probably the receiver version of Jacobs for me that I wasn't drafting him anywhere. And it's not, not that people are maybe winning their leagues with Cooper the way, they, way you could argue that Jacobs is in that league winning conversation. I don't think Cooper's been quite that good, but he's been pretty darn consistent. And again, with a, ostensibly a backup quarterback, I have no idea what to expect from Deshaun Watson. It's been so long since he played football. And he was only recently allowed to rejoin the team for practice. So I don't even know how many reps he's run. I think they're great. I'm curious to see how we break it all down next week. But, you know, props to Brissett. They're not going to go anywhere this year, but it's not his fault. He's one of the better backups in the league. He handled himself. He quit himself nicely, gets the win here. You know, they had the win over Cincinnati a couple weeks ago on Monday night where he played well. And he's kept... He's been good enough that if you drafted Cooper, if you drafted Njoku, whenever those guys have been healthy, they've been good enough to play. You know, Peoples-Jones wasn't great today, but he's had moments too. Um, you know, the, the Browns, I, I feel like the Browns in a different universe could easily be like six and five right now. Yeah. But, um, but I'm, I'm happy to see Brissett play well. I've always liked him. I think he's a character guy. I think he's a perfect backup quarterback. He's just somebody you can't start the whole season with. Um, the Amari Cooper stuff, I had to roll my eyes in the back of my head when he like – got that big play in overtime because Andy and Tank or Tank and I faded Andy's prop of over 52 and a half uh, for his receiving yards. But the universe had to write that home road split, man. You know, he couldn't have a slow game at home. So gets that la the last play, one of the last plays in overtime there uh, to write the ship. So they don't uh, call it under time as the great Scott Van Pelt would say, right? Yeah, no kidding. You're living right when you hit your prop because the game went, not only did it go to overtime, it's a very long, long I know. <laughs> Devils played the full 10 minutes. I know. I know. I was so frustrated because I was like, I think I think I had that Amari Cooper thing right. At one point, he had like 10 targets for 32 yards or something like that. But alas, Andy is going to start running away with our prop contest because of that one. On we Fantasy talk about, Live. by the way, we talk about league winners and stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know what a league winner is, but Nick Chubb was available in a lot of second rounds this year. And some you're, birds, de you're definitely yeah. getting first round value. Yeah, you're definitely getting first. And I know for whatever reason, he's one of those guys I always feel like he could catch 50 passes that just don't want to play that way. But what, what a great football player he is, man. I just, I, and I'm getting nothing. I don't know why I don't have a lot of Chubb. Maybe it's because I like Darren Jones a little bit more than I should have. I hope as you're listening today, uh, this morning, you know, Aaron Jones has just come off his best game of the season. I know that's unlikely. We're taping as they're playing that game. 
Um, I'm sure you've probably got 48 total yards at Aaron Jones, but uh, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's just one of those guys. I can, I can never root against him. He could be playing against me in fantasy. He could be costing me money. He could be knocking me out of the playoffs. I'm like, Oh yeah, I love that guy. Just on the league winner note, uh, should be noted that Rashad White's role was really good uh, in this game. was on the field for 61% of snaps, sure. um, targeted on 41% of his routes run, uh, which he ran a ton of routes. Good, you know, 21.4% target share overall. Um, obviously, didn't have the big rushing game that I think most would expect against this Cleveland Browns defense, but still pretty good overall. We'll see uh, what the usage is like when Fournette gets back. It does sound like he will return uh, in the next couple of weeks. And updating on a previous game that we uh, talked about, Darnell Mooney's injury it sounds like that's a season-ending injury um based on some of the reports that we're getting uh as we tape this so that is a bummer um another injury note to come out of this next game we're going to talk about 49ers 13 saints zero both i think we got to talk both of the running backs here from an injury standpoint it sounded like cmc was dealing with something in the game went to the locker room you know he only has 11 carries 32 rushing yards and we know elijah mitchell um he suffered another mcl sprain I don't know how much time he's going to miss, um, but, you know, he, he missed time with an MCL sprain already this season. So that is something to keep an eye on there. Scott, I definitely I mean, the, the Saints score zero points. <laughs> the 49ers score 13. Jimmy, this this one felt like a bit of a bad Jimmy game to me. Right when everybody, myself included, is starting to say like, hey, this is I think this is his best season. He's, he's playing real, real well right now. He's playing with his hair down a little bit, man. You know, he's missing open receivers. He's throwing some near turnovers, got lucky on a few. This was definitely one of those, like, kind of concerning Jimmy Garoppolo performances. Right, yeah. I was like, how can Jimmy Garoppolo fail? He's got Samuel. He's got Kittle. He's got Ayuk. He's got CMC. He's got Kyle Shanahan. Well, to be fair, once the Niners got the 13 points in this game against the Saints offense and how as well as the Niners defense played, it it felt like a 40-point lead. I realized the Saints had some red zone possessions. They did nothing with it. I don't think they even got the 300 yards, and it was really frustrating to watch. I come out of this game, not only am I, I think Garoppolo is just one of those guys. I'm never surprised when he scores 26 points. I'm never surprised when he scores 13. I realize you could say that about a lot of the quarterbacks in the league right now, but given the toys that he has in this offense, I certainly think that qualifies as a disappointment. And I want to be careful how I say this guy. I, I don't, I don't, I want players to play well. I want players to stay healthy and, you know, hit their theoretical ceilings as much as they can. But there was a lot of Christian McCaffrey victory lapping a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, aren't you glad you didn't fall for that Jonathan Taylor bull? <laughs> you know, CMC, you know, he's always going to get hurt. Well, no, he's not. I mean, now he's on the Niners. He's going to be your league winner. Uh, pretty ordinary the last couple of weeks. They're going to have Mitchell's going to have a role. And I don't think they want, you know, CMC, the thing with the Carolina is that you know, he, everything was going to be routed to him. Now he's just a cog. Not that he's not going to get usage. Not that it's not theoretically a plus offense. But let's put it this way. If we were redrafting right now, there's no way I'd consider him first or second overall. I don't know who I would take, but it, it wouldn't be him. Um, he'd be somewhere in the middle to the late first round for me. I mean, you certainly couldn't take him over Eckler right now. I don't think you could take him over Derrick Henry. There's a bunch of other guys. I, I just I thought some of the McCaffrey bros, and, and a lot of people in the industry who I respect, by the way, so I, I, I want to make it clear. I mean, you know, we're allowed to have differences of opinion. But I felt like a couple of weeks ago, it was like decreed. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor was a bad pick. CMC was the sharp pick. And I don't know. I don't really feel like that's true anymore. Yeah, the injury stuff for sure. I mean, I I definitely you know I said at one point like, you know, hey, Jonathan Taylor was like considered kind of the safe and consensus first overall pick because he had never missed a practice. And, you know, he's missed some games here. And look, Jonathan Taylor's a stud, dude. He's been awesome this year. But um, I know I said some of that. But the, the one thing I, I kind of agree with you here, Scott, is like, 
when the Chris McCaffrey trade went down, it there were definitely people ready to tell you that you were an idiot if you didn't think this was like a clear cut upgrade for Chris McCaffrey because he was going to it's going from a team in Carolina that theoretically is never going to score any touchdowns to a team that's going to score a bunch of touchdowns in San Francisco, but. Like, they had that one game where McCaffrey was the center of the universe against the Rams, but then they've had other games where it has been extremely spread out, and he hasn't gotten that same sort of um, equity that we've seen that he got in Carolina. So, you know, I think it's it's just a fair question, like, to say, was the move a downgrade for him in fantasy? I think it's it's a conversation worth having because they have so many threats here. And, yeah, obviously, you know, he's coming off a slow game here where he was dealing with injuries during the game the broadcast talked about it the broadcast reported on the sideline that CMC was having left knee issues went to the locker room early before the half and either he or the training staff have been working on it all in the second half so that's the explanation for the weird usage starting in the two-minute drill um, before the half so yeah well there's been a little bit of weird usage throughout uh like the last couple of games for Christian McCaffrey and look like you're never going to bench Christian McCaffrey, so there's really no point in like spending Earth seconds like tilting your face off about it. <laughs> um, there's better things in life to worry about, but um, I do agree with you that I think like some of the, like I said, you're an idiot if you don't see that this is a clear cut win for him in fantasy. I think that was a little misguided because they have a star in Brandon Ayuk and like they have a star in Debo Samuel who got a little banged up in this game, and they have Kittle and they have a quarterback who does have games like this uh, within his range of outcomes. Yeah, and even talented backups, not McCaffrey level backups, but you know Elijah Mitchell's a good player too. Yeah, I think I said this maybe last week on this show um, or on one of the Yahoo platforms, but and maybe this is just too obvious of a take. But if I was in any kind of a keeper or dynasty format, man, I would be trying to get out of the Alvin Kamara business. You may yeah. need to wait until he has a game you can sell because he's, this certainly wasn't one of them. But and it's not entirely his fault. Uh, he was just getting bottled up. On just about every run, he, he tries to to score late in the game on a reception. They punch the ball out. I mean, the Niners' defense is going to make a lot of people look bad, but so is the is the Saints' offense. By the way, they're going to make a lot of people look bad. Everybody in the NFC South under five hundred. The Panthers are alive. They could win it. They they're could. the only team that yeah. won today. A Tampa Bay's got a million problems. The Saints have a million problems. Uh, you know, the Falcons. You know, Arthur Smith. It's obviously a team that's very complicated. We'll talk about them in a second, but. Um, they will send a representative to the playoffs. I don't believe in any of these teams. Um, I think whoever advances, it, it's going to be the case of maybe Tampa Bay, if they win the division, they'll be favored in the playoffs. But I think anybody else who won would certainly be an underdog in round one, despite being the home team. It'll be one of these things where it's like, oh, isn't it unfair that Philly or Dallas or somebody like that has to play on the road in week one? But it's going to be, that's the way the playoffs are, are formatted now. But um <laughs> I get out of the Kamara business. I, I don't I, again. You may have to wait until he shows something that you can take to the marketplace. But uh, next year, I think the suspension is probably going to come down. I, you know, he's hit an age that we worry about. Um, I, I'm glad I don't have any Kamara right now. Yeah, um, one of my sometimes the best moves are the moves that you don't make. Uh, I got an offer in uh, the dynasty league that I talk about a lot that I really care about when because I'm trying to push and I don't have a lot of great running backs on the roster. Somebody offered me Alvin Kamara for uh, my first round pick this year, and I was like, no, no, thank you. Scott's voice popped in the back of my head there, so I'm <laughs> glad I didn't make that move there. Well, um, I'm glad you know one of the nine things I was right about this year, you know, lined up in, in that instance, but. Hey, buddy, it benefited me, so that's really all that matters. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the rest of the Week 12 Sunday action. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right. Commanders 19, uh, the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons 13. ODU's finest uh, had himself a game where he tried to throw a couple of game-deciding game interceptions here and there, man. He is what, – what have you said before? Like every Heineke pass could be a pick six. 100% agree with you on that. The story coming out of this game, though, is Brian Robinson, who had, I think, his best game as a pro. 18 carries, 105 yards in a good matchup, obviously. But two catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown, and a viral big hat uh, that's going crazy on social media. Don't think – um, I could rock the big hat, Scott. Um, don't know if you feel any different. It looked a lot to me like how um, my wife looks when she wears one of my hats, the big hat thing for Brian Robinson. But hell of a performance for for a rookie who obviously we, we root for because of what happened in the beginning of the season with him. Yeah, I'm not rocking the big hat either. I am rocking my usual Bryant hat. Uh, shout out to Bryant Basketball that went to Syracuse on Saturday and beat the Orange by one on a buzzer beater. Um by Bullock, a really, really great basketball game. So, um, how many hats do you own, Scott? Because you wear this one an awful lot, and I have like fifty. Yeah, it's so. my it's it's my heavy rotation, but I I probably have a solid twenty hats. And everybody's got to have an that. old reliable, you know. Everybody's got to have that. This one is the hat. old reliable. Yeah, uh, emphasis on old. I've, I wore this pretty much through the whole golf season. Is this hat probably <laughs> needs to be retired to stud, and I need a new Bryant hat. And you know, when I'm when I show up at um, the Chase uh, Center for some Bryant basketball, I'll probably have a new Bryant hat. This is all the all the Brian basketball talk you came here for. For sure. Man, Brian, Brian Robinson looked terrific. He was, he was plays that looked like there were going to be two or three yard runs were like nine yard runs. He was breaking tackles. He was moving the pile. One of the knocks on him was what would his receiving role be? And, and he was active in the receiving game. He catches the touchdown. I did not think it, uh, Heineke played well at all. I, I think I'm just, I got to give up on McLaurin as I have him a, a half a slot or a slot too high. Somebody Same. asked me a start sick question on McLaurin, and I, I think I gave them McLaurin the answer. And they're like, well, he never scores touchdowns. I'm like, well, I mean, never is a little bit too harsh, but it's fair. Is there how much touchdown equity does, does Terry McLaurin really have? The Commodores, the Commodores, I always want to say the Commodores, Commanders, the Commies, whatever they are, the Washington friggin' football team. Hey, they deserve they deserve a bunch of crap for that Sean Taylor embar- embarrassment that they threw out there. That uh, that they they're like, well, we're gonna unveil a big memorial, a statue, and it's a freaking mannequin wearing soccer cleats. By the way, give me a break. Has with- there been a team that reads the room wrong as consistently as the Washington football franchise? No. They they don't get it, man. They don't get it with nicknames. They don't get it with culture. Uh, they don't get it that their uniforms are really hard to like the only thing they did in the last few years that i liked really i thought rivera was a good hire actually Me too. and um so there are some people in the front office who i actually respect obviously the guy at the top has to go i don't think there's any big secret about that it's not a hot take but yeah um nice to see robinson you know obviously his you know what his story is right he was in college for a long time so oh, he can't be any good he's played in college for four years and then when he's on the cusp of winning the starting gig he gets shot of all things so just exciting to see him make a comeback Disappointed that Gibson didn't do more in, in this game, but I mean, 
this, this is a team I cannot. If they ever do make the playoffs, they sneak in the playoffs. I know I'm going to bet against them against until they lose, because Heineke is the only thing about Heineke is the team does believe in him, and maybe he's better for them than Carson Wentz. But I, I don't know if that's really all that big of a statement right now. Of course, this game ended the way predictably the way you would think it would end, where one of the quarterbacks would do something wrong, and that's how the game would end. Atlanta was in position to go ahead late, and. Mariota throws a horrible pass. It's deflected. It hangs in the air for what feels like 27 seconds. Of course, Washington intercepts it. Uh, game, set, match. Too too much, you know, they have, I know they're down the two backs in the Atlanta offense in the rotation, but because they use Mariota too, it basically is a three-person backfield. So you can't play any of them with any confidence. Plus, how many touchdowns are they divvying up every week, exactly. right? I mean, I feel like they never score more than 20 points. Yeah, it's a it's a split backfield in a Marcus Mariota offense. It's a bit of a wide tree in a Marcus Mariota offense. It's just like this all comes back to the fact that they have a below league average starting quarter, well below league average starting quarterback, and the head coach seems to like he'd rather throw up uh, than you know go to his rookie quarterback at this point. Um, so you know, which I think probably tells you something about where Desmond Ritter is at this point. Maybe Arthur Smith is wrong. I think that's possible. But yeah, I mean, almost identical rushing lines for the, the for the backs there: Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. You know, Olumide Zacchaeus gets eight targets. I mean, they turn into you know ninety-one yards, which is great. But obviously, it means Drake London has just four targets. So. I don't know, man. I, the, I, I think that, I, again, I always come back to the point that I think the Falcons' offense is really well-designed, but it's really it's really spread out, and it's captained by Marcus Mariota, who is Marcus Mariota. I mean, it is what it is. Feet to the fire. Who's going to win that NFC South? Who would you pick right now? Oh, God. <laughs> Just give me the fire. I don't know. Uh, I think I can... <laughs> Give me the fire. I like that. Okay. <laughs> give me the fire. I you, mean... you know what? You know what? I don't think they're going to win it, but I want the Panthers to win the division. We'll talk about them in a second. That would be hilarious. Yes. Let's talk about them here in a minute. All right. But first, we got to talk about Jaguars 28, Ravens 27. Scott, I think that Trevor Lawrence, a guy who struggled to have signature moments throughout his career, I think this was like his defining moment so far. Yes, for sure. Uh, and a day where ETN gets hurt right away and a day where he faced adversity, they fell behind and he's working with, I mean, look, I like Christian Kirk. Maybe he's miscast as the number one. I mean, you know, Zay Jones, they got made fun of when they threw the big money at Zay Jones. You know, who are you outbidding for Zay Jones? Huge game. Lawrence made one. it work. Yeah. Tremendous game for Jones. Uh, Jermichael Hasty looked pretty good. As a pass catcher, anyway, I mean, you do a lot in the ground, and you know, you beat Baltimore. Baltimore, I, I realize the Ravens. It feels like the last couple of years they've had so many injuries and stuff. So, it's like, what version of the Ravens are you really beating? But still, whenever you beat Lamar Jackson, whenever you beat John Harbaugh, whenever you beat Justin Tucker, who I think we all thought, you know, anybody else sixty-seven yarder, why even try it with him? It's like, yeah, I think he's probably got fifty-fifty kick, and it looked like when he hit it online, I, I think thought we all thought it was going in. <laughs> I thought he, had I did it. too. I did too, and I'm sure he. I'm sure he could make that kick, but I'm. I'm, I'm at the point now. It's easy to say it uh, today, but I actually did trade for Lawrence in a in a league where I had Justin Fields a couple of weeks ago. Um, I didn't have a backup, and Fields isn't going to play in Week 14, so I, I made a trade where I got Lawrence, and I, I forget exactly what else I got, but um, I had to downgrade from Fields to Lawrence. It looked like a downgrade. Since then, Lawrence has been great. I think we're f- not anything you haven't heard before, but you, know, you had to throw out the first year, the Urban Meyer, yes. no help. 
Doug Peterson's the right coach for him. I think eventually they'll have you know, this team really needs an alpha receiver. Again, I like I like Christian Kirk for what he is. He should be your second best receiver, and he's not. They have Calvin Ridley but, coming next year. I, I still still. Oh, think right. I have... forgot they traded for Ridley. It's been so long since he played football, and and I guess we can't see him as a sure thing. Maybe. Yeah. But that was a really good. I think that's a good investment for them to get on on the uh, you know affordable side. They didn't pay a lot for him. I'm pretty confident that Trevor Lawrence is at least going to be very good. If, yes. if maybe he won't be generationally great, maybe he won't be like you know Peyton Manning. I think he's like he's going to be at least Andrew Luck. I think he's going to be like that good, and maybe he can be a little bit better than that. I, I'm really confident that um, he's headed in the right direction. And again, easy to say in a day like today, but look what he's working with. Yeah, and look some of those throws, some of the windows he was thrown into today, and even just things like. You know, they had a, a goal line possession. They called a third down play that was similar to a play they ran in London. Lawrence threw the pick in London. In, in this game, he threw the ball away. It may, may not sound like much, but that's you know that's what growing is. Learning what open means in the NFL. Learning that yeah, okay, just take the three points. It's okay. You don't you don't have to force it. We still have thirty minutes to try to win this game. Uh, really excited. We know that draft class has been a mixed bag, and it's just nice that we've seen some rays of sunshine lately. You know. Mac Jones was really good last week. Minnesota helped him, or I guess it was Thursday, but this week. Um, you know, Fields has had his moments before he got hurt. And, and Lawrence, if you redrafted that whole class again, I still think Lawrence would go number one. Yeah. Um, Nate Tice from The Athletic, who's a big Trevor Lawrence fan and, and has really gone to bat for Trevor Lawrence during some of the struggles, has uh, called him like a more athletic Matt Ryan. And I mean, I think like like he can at least be that, sort of to your point there, that like he can at least be a very good quarterback. How much more can he be I think is the question I think that's the open question not like does Trevor Lawrence suck like that's not a legitimate question the legitimate question is just like where is he going to go in terms of up and down the quarterback pantheon um and I think like this is a guy that I think the biggest problem for him this year has been struggling in big moments like bad time turnovers and when he had like a he had one late in this game I was like oh man Trevor like come on bro but then Gus Edwards gives it back to him and he then then of course they give up a touchdown to Lamar with uh, just uh, over two minutes left. And then he goes on a 10 play drive to win them the game uh, on the two point conversion with the touchdown to Marvin Jones. And I got to ask you, Scott, how many NFL talking head hot take shows uh, I didn't catch it. Like are going to discuss about the fact that two head coaches go out there in big moments. I'm watching on the couch with my dad, you know, and he's like, you can't go, you can't, can't, can't go for two here. Can't go for two here if you're the charge. You can't go for two here if you're the charge. And then, of course, they get it and he's like, well, I'm an idiot. How many, how many uh, commentators are going to do that, though? Like, are you, you know, for all the crap we give coaches when they don't get it, two guys, Brandon Staley and, and Doug Peterson, go for two. They get these big wins. We probably won't hear a peep about it. And why not? You know, you're, the, you're not going anywhere. You're the Jaguars anyway. You get the game over with. The game gets resolved. You don't ask your players to, to take on extra snaps. I think it actually makes sense in this case. Even if they didn't make it, I would say the same thing. Yeah, 100%. All right, next game up here. Well, I guess we didn't talk about the Ravens, but I mean. Do you want to? No, I don't. Let's not. I mean, it's a good Josh Oliver hot take for me. I do not. um, Do not have a good Josh Oliver hot take. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are what they are, and I don't think they're going to change anytime soon. Although it's wild to see Deshaun Jackson pop up and get his big play uh, that he's going to get like every two weeks. I, I just hope his hamstrings are okay. Uh, that's all I can say about Deshaun Jackson at this point. Next game up here, Bengals 20, Titans 16. Samaj P. Ryan starts for the absent Joe Mixon. 17 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown, and he does make some contributions in the passing game as well. Um, just a, a, like a good fought game here between two good AFC teams to me. 
Yeah, um, reminded me a lot of the playoff game where either team could have won, but the, the Bengals found a way to pull it out. I'm really encouraged what I saw with Traylon Burks. I, look, you didn't start him this week because of his elite fumble recovering skills. He, Henry fumbles <laughs> at the goal line, Burks, you know, scoops it yeah. up. But, you know, but four for 76 targets. He looks the part. He looks like a first round pick. Yeah. And Tannehill is uh, obviously, you know, Willis is not ready for prime time. It's, it's, they didn't want to. The idea was not to have him play this year. He was forced into action a couple of games. They somehow almost beat Kansas City one of those games. But uh, Tannehill is certainly a professional quarterback, an experienced quarterback. And it's just nice to see they needed a downfield. Obviously, you know, we all kind of blanched when they traded A.J. Brown. It's like, well, how are you going to replace him? And you, you really don't. That's how you replace him. But Trillin Burks can be a number one receiver on a football team. He may already be their number one receiver. And just we talk about rookie receivers spreading their wings in the second half of, of a season. You know, maybe Wilson's going to do that in New York. We've seen Christian Watson. I don't know what he's doing tonight, but, you know, he's had a bunch of touchdowns lately. Traylon Burks looks like another guy who it's, it's, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, the first half, he didn't play a lot. He got hurt. It was more of a learning experience. But now he's ready to actually be. I, I played him proactively on a couple of teams this week, and it was just nice to see. Not that he went crazy. And, again, the fumble, the recovery for a touchdown is just lucky. But, I don't know. When, when you play against a receiver as a wide receiver three and he gets four for 70, you're not going to feel that bad. 81.1% routes per drop back uh, for Traylon Burks. That was second on the team, only behind Robert Woods, which is important. It's important. I know it seems crazy, but it's important for him to jump Nick Westbrook Akina. Okay. Like it, you need to see that for Traylon Burks. And, you know, he's a guy that I've, I've like developmental questions about like, when can he be a full field route runner? But one thing I know he can do, he did it in college and like we've seen him do it in the NFL go deep and go win the football in the air. And he did that in this game against the Bengals. And we want to see more and more of that, like on field development for Traylon Burke. So I'm, I'm happy to see him doing that. Uh, the Titans obviously need him. I don't think he will ever be AJ Brown. Like, I don't think he's the next AJ Brown, but I do think he can be a part of their plan to replace AJ Brown in the long term. And obviously you know, he's going to cost them a lot less. Uh, I think Tennessee might be validated. A lot of people thought he wasn't a first round player. And I, I think ultimately we may, may look back and be like, yeah, you know, he was a good pick. Yeah, he's, was he, yeah. Did they overdraft him? Maybe. But he was at least a second-round grade receiver. I, I think he's – I think he was definitely a first-round player. Like he okay. was – yeah. I, de- I mean, I don't – I think uh, like he's – to me, he still ranks not in the same tier as like a Drake London, a, a, a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave. Like I think those guys are the clear top three in this class. And then I think – For sure. I think Burks, you know, and guys like George Pickens, et cetera, can be kind of that next group. But like, yeah, he de- he belong he certainly belongs. Um, and I think, I, I it's again, it's a question of like, is he gonna ever be like a full field guy like all those like those other three dudes I mentioned? But I think like he can he's gonna be a good player that I feel pretty good about. For sure, I, I guess I'd boil it down to this: if you know, if you needed elevator pitch, are you in or out on Traylon Burks? I would say in. Yes, I would say N as well, too. Uh, I'm, I'm agree with you on that one. And, you know, T. Higgins on the other side has a big game. Um, Hayden Hurst gives you, like, valiant tight end uh, numbers there. The, the Bengals are pretty tidy, and it sounds like they'll get – it sounds like Jamar Chase was kind of close this week then they pulled the rug out from us that he wasn't going to go, so we might see him uh, next week for the Cincinnati They Bengals. need him. Yeah, Ty- Tyler Boyd, him. I thought he could be, like, a useful piece while Chase was out, and I realized they played different – versions of the receiver position but Tyler Boyd's been on a milk carton for the last couple of weeks yeah he's has a, not worked out yeah he's, he's definitely a little over oh I think he's a little over um overqualified to be a three and like mm, sort of qualified to be a two in the NFL all right next game up here Panthers 23 Broncos 10 um 
my God. Uh, I, I'm just going to say, like, I have nothing to How say. How is this not the bottom of the script? How is this not the last game? Well, because uh, we don't want to talk about the Rams or the Texans. I yeah, get it. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There's some other dust balls down here as well. A um, couple of preseason rosters coming yeah, up. But... You want to you end the podcast now. If you've stuck with us this long and you've got, you know, your dog needs to be walked, your lawn needs to be mowed, your, you know, walk needs to be shoveled, whatever you need to do. Uh, you You have my permission to skip the next three games. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna miss much, right? But although Scott, not gonna I, miss much. I think you might fire some heaters here at the end. You never know. You're you're always good for a couple of good lines here. Panthers twenty three, Broncos ten. I'll, I'll say this, so we can save some time here. I put the Denver Broncos in my enough already segment uh, for FFL this morning, and I have no, I have literally nothing to say about the Denver Broncos other than wow, you know what an embarrassment, you know the typical stuff. So I have nothing to say on Denver. You got anything? There's one game this year for the Broncos where they've gone over the total. One game. They wouldn't have scored a touchdown today except on fourth and forever at the goal line. The Panthers roughed Russell Wilson, so they got some more snaps. But um, this is another game where it's like once Carolina had 17 points, it's like game over. At least Sam Darnold Darnold was competent enough to make DJ more relevant. He goes over 100. He gets a touchdown. You know, that's always been a problem with Moore getting in the end zone. Interesting that even though Foreman's the bell cow here, they did find 17 carries for Chuba Hubbard. And again, once once you get ahead of the Broncos by one, yeah, Foreman got a little dinged up at one point during the game, but he was still Hubbard was still working in. But you've won the you've won the game. You just just don't lose it at that point. And and Darnold, look, maybe Darnold could be. I I I know all we want with Carolina is can the quarterback play be good enough so that DJ Moore is relevant? Well, today that was the case. And Foreman was a bell cow. And the Denver offense makes my eyes bleed. I mean, you know, Sutton made some plays. Murray's going to have a decent market share. He busted off a long run, you know, pretty good run for a 32-year-old. But, oh, man, that, that Russell Wilson contract, man. It's the first year of it, right? I mean, first I, year. I don't know. I don't know where they go from this, man. It's unbelievable how screwed up that, that organization is. And I, look, I'll admit it. I thought they were doing the right thing, trading for Wilson. I don't know if the contract was necessarily the right move, but you probably had to do both of those things. I'm shocked at how awful they look. I think Hackett's probably a one and done guy. Gotta they be. need to Gotta find be. somebody. They they need to find an offensive guru who can somehow talk and hypnotize Russell Wilson into being a good player again. Because right now he's <laughs> good luck. one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Good luck. Good luck on that. Yeah. The only thing I'll say on the Sam Darnold stuff is like similar to what I said with like the Jets offense is great with not Zach Wilson. DJ Moore is good as long, like for, literally forever in Carolina. He's been good as long as it's not Baker Mayfield. And like, I think Baker Mayfield might just go down as one of the biggest wide receiver villains of our lifetime. Like this is a guy where at this point last year, we were legitimately having like, can Odell Beckham still get open discourse? Because, and we're like that Odell Beckham, that guy, one of the, who's in the news today for a whole different reason. Um, like that guy who is one of the best separators in the NFL at his peak and still very, very good at it when he's well out of his peak. We're having that discussion because of Baker Mayfield and purely because of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, I think Baker just pure and simple can't hit timing rhythm throws and can't make difficult throws to the outside, which is by the way, like difficult, high, high degree of difficulty throws, uh, timing rhythm routes. Those are what your number one outside receiver runs. So there's no coincidence that, Baker has struggled with more. He struggled with Odell. Like, look, I'm not trying to bag on Baker here, but guy just like, yeah, no, thanks. I don't want to see him again uh, in this Panthers uniform. And Sam Darnold's going to start next week. Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. But I mean, all we, like you said, all we care about is DJ Moore being viable. And I like not, not even just viable, just not droppable. And I think we're back with that with Sam Darnold. 
You know, Baker's going to have great representation because when his NFL cred ran out and he wasn't going to have these NFL commercials anymore, his agent said, oh, okay, well, there's going to be this stream of commercials that work off Heisman Trophy winners. We'll get Baker into that loop. We'll get him in the Heisman Trophy commercial, yeah. um, you know, golf club or whatever it is. So so Baker's making plenty of money off the field. He's always on my television, not always, always playing football, but he's always on my television. I guess it's just no escaping the Baker Mayfield experience, but... It is what it is. Hey, I'm just glad to see DJ Moore playing playing good football again. And, and I look, I don't think the Panthers are going to win the NFC South, but I hope they do. It would be uh, objective. Good defense. They play hard, man. They yeah. play hard for you know this coaching staff. I they believe in each other. You know, they just need their they're you know what they are. They they are like the real poor man's Jets, right? I mean, the defense is solid. The offense is pieces we like, but you don't trust the quarterback. You know, they're the really poor man's Jets. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, let's uh, move on to the next game here. Um, Chiefs 26, Rams 10. Um, the Rams announced that Allen Robinson's out for the season with the foot injury. Um, I don't think Matthew Stafford's coming back. I don't think Cooper Cup is coming back. You know, they cut Daryl Henderson. Like, I joked this morning that, like, they're literally running out of preseason roster. And I think um, producer John, Lord Podcast, said that Andrew Siciliano who literally does their preseason games uh, comment today that, yeah, this is pretty much the team, you know, Bryce Perkins throwing to like, uh, you know, Brandon Powell two two Atwell. Like this is the preseason roster for the Rams. And like Lance McCutcheon, that's the guy that they threw to three times today. And he had a big preseason for them. And like, I, I can't imagine a offense that it, it just is like, they're, they're so far on the no fly zone list. Like, I don't even know if we need to talk about them the rest of the year. Yeah. Look at these last two games, Chiefs, Rams, Dolphins, Texans, when there's a huge line in the NFL, like a double-digit line a du- or, or a two-touchdown line, I, th- I think the Chiefs line was like around 14. The Dolphins line might have even gotten higher than that, or maybe I have it flip-flop. But they were both gigantic spreads. Usually, I'm just going to reflexively take the underdog. They're professionals. They get paid, too. In both of these games, I immediately said, I have to have the Chiefs and I have to have the Dolphins. And look, both games finished close to the closing line. So if you cashed a ticket on the Chiefs or Dolphins, you, you get to feel a little bit fortunate. I mean, Miami pulled guys so early in their game. The Chief left a bunch of points on the table. It's almost like they said to Pacheco, hey, uh, here's the first game CEH ever played where we gave him 117 carries inside the 10. He didn't score on any of them. Pacheco did get one touchdown today, but man, he left a lot of opportunities on the bone where they, they couldn't maximize their points. But the Rams are a dead set. The Rams and the Tech, you could argue the Rams, I don't think it's an argument anymore. I'm going to do the quarterly update of the power rankings for the different offenses. The Rams are so far in the basement. At least the Texans, I can squint and say, yeah, they get Cooks. Maybe they can get Pierce going again. The Rams have nothing. nothing. Kieran Williams played today. So what? It didn't do anything. I mean, they're playing a third-string quarterback. I feel sorry for Perkins. You know, He's set up to fail in this offense. As you said, Cup isn't coming back. Robinson isn't coming back. And I don't think Sean McVay is coming back. I think Sean McVay is going to consult, is going to be an announcer, is, is going to enjoy being mentioned for every high-profile job. I think he'll find a way. And he's too competitive to quit. But I think he has to look at this team and be like, okay, look, we went in, we mortgaged everything, we won the trophy, the flag flies forever, the, the parade is forever and all that. But th- this team is going to be in trouble. I, I can't see how they fix this. They have no draft capital. They have nothing really to Aaron Donald's near the end of his career. Maybe he's ready to hang it up too. You know, I'm one of the best defensive players of all time. I'm not here to slight him. Um, you know, The last time we saw Jalen Ramsey last week, he was getting torched by Chris Olave. 
got uh, torched by Travis man, I, Kelsey this week. So yeah, well, I mean, Kelsey does it to a lot of yeah. people. Uh, let me tell me where you are in Pacheco because on one hand, yeah, the pro Pacheco people are like, hey, market share, hey, got the, got the touchdown right. He even had one nice reception, which is the knock on him has been one of the things that's been they don't throw the ball to him. But then you could flip the flip side is well, he had a million carries inside the ten, and those plays all looked like unsuccessful runs. So uh, where are we at uh, with uh, not Jordan, but Isaiah Pacheco? What's the Pacheco take right now? It felt like the Chiefs were in the red zone all the time in this game. Like every time uh, I'm watching, like watch pretty much the whole game. I'm like my God, are they the red bar? <laughs> that red bar on the on the, the four box. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, they were just in the red zone all the time um, in this game. You know because the. The Rams gave them short fields. They got down there pretty quickly. They did They did struggle in the red zone. I thought some of their passing plays overall were poor in the red zone as well. You know, Mahomes throws um, an end zone interception in this game, you know, which is pretty uncharacteristic. Um, you know, also just generally, like, it felt like they got a little too cute down there, even with some of the run play. Like, I think the run play that really worked with Pacheco was like, just, and he scores a touchdown. It's like, just go to get him up the middle. You know, and even Greg Olson was like, Oh, this is a really creative team in the red zone. This is where they really go into their bag. And the first play after he said that was Pacheco just up the gut powered in there. I feel like, I feel like Pacheco will be a, I mean, I think he's an every week starter in fantasy. Like, I think he's a guy that you want to get out there. Like how long is he going to hold that job? Like how good can he be? I think is an open question, but for right now, I definitely think he's a really, really good player. Did you notice they actually played Ronald Jones in this game? They d- yes, I did because uh, I was like, "Oh, who's two? Oh, right, Ronald Jones." Who's yeah, and two? they even right. threw, who's that? They threw they threw who's him a pass. They threw they threw him a pass. Scott Ronald Jones caught a who's pass. This guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy the practice squad? That's Demetrius Settle. And by the way, I want to mention about Greg Olson. You know what I really like about Olson is he points out some great observations about offensive line play, but he doesn't do it in the way that so many people do when they point out offensive line play, like they're describing fine art to people who don't understand <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he yeah. makes the instructional point without trying to act like he's giving you the, the Newt Rockney, Vince Lombardi lecture on football. I, I think he's a, yeah. actually a really good announcer. I, I always liked him as a player. <laughs> and when agree. he was still playing, I think he's like a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll make it, but I wouldn't mind if he did. But when he was playing, he would occasionally, like during the bye week, he would, he would do a network show or he would, you know, show up on broadcast and you just knew that Greg Olson was going to be a good announcer someday. And, and it's interesting, you know, people have kind of turned on Romo. He was the hot announcer when he first came out. I think three or four years from now, we might be looking at Greg Olson as like one of the two or three best analysts in the game. I really enjoy his work. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that theoretically, theoretically, Tom Brady's going to retire and like moonwalk into the number one booth for Fox when I think Greg Olson is really, really good at this and, and probably deserves it. Um, just a couple of notes on the Chiefs receivers. Uh, I think Sky Moore looks really good. Just get him off the of punt returns. Like enough already with Sky Moore as a punt returner. But like he caught he caught five passes in this game. He's a guy that and he had a couple called back as well. Good player. Um, Juju was a little limited in this game. He only ran around on forty five point seven percent of the dropbacks. And I think teams are look. They're just handling concussions different now. Like this guy has a huge concussion. He comes back a couple of weeks later. But you know, like they're not going to throw him out there. And the Justin Watson. Watch continues, leads the team in routes run, uh, just 0.72 yards per route run. So interesting player they've got there in Justin Watson. Last game up here, Dolphins 30, Texans 15. This was like one of those blowouts, and it stunk for fantasy because, Scott, they got Tua, Jeff Wilson, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle out of there 
like that. I mean, right away. They, like, they get to 30 points, they're out of there. To the point that Scott Hansen was even like, oh, the, the Texans have scored a couple of touchdowns. They might... Oh, they might have to put Tua back in there, right? Like, <laughs> give me a break. They were never going to get, you know, even challenged in this game. You know, so Tyreek Hill gets over 80 yards. Um, Jalen Waddle gets over 80 yards. Jeff Wilson gets in the box. He doesn't have that big eruption game that everybody was hoping for. But, you know, look, if you started these guys in fantasy, you can't complain. I definitely want to ask you about Damian Pierce because five carries, eight yards on the ground, three catches, eight yards through the air. I mean, this was a guy that was like one of the finds of the draft right ended up being a great pick you know my brother-in-law texted me this morning like I'm thinking about da- benching Damian Pierce for the first time th- all year because of what happened last week like do I start Latavius Murray over him and at first I was like nah you know I'm, I'm out on the Broncos and then I came back five minutes later I was like no you know what play Latavius Murray over Damian Pierce because it was set up today to have exactly this happened with Kyle Allen starting for the Texans and Scott I'm a little concerned that this type of uh output is going to be a little bit closer to the norm than we'd like. Yeah, the story that I was pitching a month ago, five weeks ago, was, oh, J.B. Pierce, he's great, because no matter how bad the Texans play, they're still going to use him. His workload is very safe. And he had some really good fantasy games in non-competitive games, but that story has gone away. Now, next week, that very interesting matchup with Cleveland, the Deshaun Watson game. We know the Browns' rushing defense has been gashed most Mm. of the year, so... You would think I think you have to play Pierce unless you're really loaded at running back. I would think Pierce is the starter for you next week. But if he doesn't do it, then uh, you get a back off. Maybe he's just a running back three or a flex guy. We just accept he's been he's whether he's hit a rookie wall or he's been torpedoed by the infrastructure around him. Back to the Miami side. I'm glad they still held the money in this game because they were ahead thirty to nothing, and then they held on for dear life to get the cover. You know, in your pick pool or put a couple bucks on them, whatever. But your fear in these games, in these lopsided games, would be like okay. I want to play Miami guys, but I'm afraid. What if they get benched early? I'm afraid. What if the defense scores a touchdown, which happened in this game? What if somebody gets hurt, right? All those things happened. Everybody got proactively benched. The Miami defense took a possession and a touchdown off the table. And then Wilson, at least he got a touchdown before he got hurt, but he gets hurt. Um, and Miami basically just, and I actually, I credit the coaching staff, right? This was a get on the bus second half. This was like, do we have nothing to prove? Let's just run the ball into into dive into the line. We could punt, keep the clock moving. There's no chance Houston's going to come back and score 31 points. The game is over. You know, it doesn't matter what the final score is. I I think every team should play this way. Like every time Buffalo's been comfortably ahead in a game and they call like a design run for Josh Allen, I'm like, what the frig are you doing? He's the one guy you can't replace. Uh, so I, I think it was really smart of how Miami handled this. And unfortunately, it's just that, Glass half full, glass half empty. Oh, good. This is a blowout game. This is an opponent we should beat the crap out of. Well, you need them to punch back sometimes to hit your theoretical ceiling in fantasy. And this is a case where the Houston Texans couldn't punch back. And Miami was proactive about getting their key guys off the field. Yeah, um, that's always uh, like you said, it's it's a hit or miss. But, um, you know, for the long run, it's better that way uh, than the alternative. Um, just on the Damian Pierce stuff, the schedule going forward, like you mentioned, Browns, that's probably time you're starting him. Dallas, I mean, that's a game where they could get absolutely shellacked. They will. Um, <laughs> they get the Chiefs, another game they could get oh, absolutely shellacked. Chiefs can name the, Titan- the score for sure. Yeah, right. The Titans, I mean, that's like they're the best run defense in the NFL uh, statistically. By variety, Tennessee of takes care of but Tennessee takes care of business too. When, when you when yeah. a lesser team plays Tennessee, I know they did lose to the Giants. Look what they whatever. did! Look what they did last time they faced the Texans. Like they they took care of business to the point that the quarterback was basically a spectator. It was Malik Willis, but he was a spectator. 
And then they finished with the Jags in week 17 uh, and then week 18 uh, Indianapolis Colts. So definitely mixed bag there for Damian Pierce, a guy. Yeah, that Wilson, you did you hear anything about. about how serious the Wilson injury is? And if it is serious, uh, is can we mine anything for value here? Jeff Wilson leaves the game with an injury. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't see much. That's definitely something that we're going to have to. You know, it was weird because like Tyree Kill almost scooted him off the field in a, in a very strange way. Left tackle Teron Armstead was also uh, ruled out, and he's going to miss time um, uh, with a with a pec injury, I believe. So a couple things there. You know, if, if Raheem Mostert is back, obviously he would be you know right back up to what we liked about Raheem Mostert before. But you know, it's going to be like Miles Gaskin and those boys um, on the depth chart. So no, I don't. I don't wouldn't wouldn't feel quite as good. Remember, this was like the worst rushing team in the NFL early on. And then they kind of finally get it going there a little bit. Um, so no, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel great. Um, although it's a great offense. So I, I kind of go back and forth on how I'd feel about this team. If there was no Jeff Wilson, Let's, let me ask you one hot take Monday question, just like a fun, silly little question. You're in a keeper league. And let's, yeah, let's say it's, it's a league where quarterbacks matter. Maybe it's even super flex or six point touchdowns or whatever. Keeper dynasty. Would you feel better going forward with Tua or feeling better going forward with Justin Herbert? Just forever, it was like, oh my God, Miami screwed up. They could have had Herbert. They had, they're stuck yeah. with Tua. You know, but it's it's just so hard to know. Uh, Tua's good. Tua, I've definitely, you know, I'm on the pro side of Tua. But it's just football. It's so hard to separate who your teammates yeah. are. I mean, well, the fa- yeah, the fact, the fact that this is a fantasy question is a great question because I think like, if it's an NFL question, Herbert, you know, for sure, then I think it's Herbert. But I mean, look, there's like, like the knives are out on Twitter between the Herbert and the and the the, the Tua like guys. Like they're they're going at each other like pretty much. I mean, like big time analysts too. They're they're ready to fight each other over Tua versus Sharks Herbert. And and I, Jets, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, so the that's 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 going on for sure. But the fact that this is a fantasy question, you know, like, yeah, I think that Herbert is a is a better quarterback. And like you could sit there and say, okay, well, what if Tua wasn't throwing to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle? Well, in fantasy, he's gonna be throwing to those guys, and he's gonna be coached by Mike McDaniel for the foreseeable future. So like, I'm pretty tempted to say, to say, to say Tua, because I have so many questions about the Chargers coaching staff, and like, I think they need to consider remaking their receiver room, right? Like, but they're tied up to Keenan Allen, they're tied up to Mike Williams, and and you know, I, I don't know, I, 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 th- I think the answer is Herbert. But I'm not 100% convinced about that. And also, as great as Tyreek Hill has been, he's at an age where it's not going to last forever, right? Right. I mean, That's a good point. Um, although Waddle, it's, it's just nice to see Waddle get the expanded route tree this year, where last year it was all those bubble screens and get the ball out right away. It's just nice to see him actually doing downfield stuff because obviously he did it at Alabama. You, you know this better. You can speak to this better than I can. But Miami's a fun team, man. The, the AFC East is a fun division. You know, I mean, the, the Jets are scrappy and they punch you in the mouth and – I was encouraged. I, I know I keep mentioning Mac Jones. It was just so nice to see Mac Jones play a good football game because he hadn't done so in such a long time. He did nothing against yeah. the Jets two weeks ago. I thought he looked very good on Thanksgiving night. Obviously, Buffalo is on the short list of Super Bowl contenders. I thought, Matt, I was misguided. I thought the AFC West was going to be the division I wanted to watch this year. And, you know, who, who knew that the AFC East would, you know, would be our salvation in our football yeah. year 2022? Hey, that's the NFL, man. That's why we love it, because it's weird. It's wild. Well, this was a great, weird, and wild Week 12 slate. Scott, appreciate you uh, recapping everything with me. Um, You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me, 
at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And if you're still in the playoff hunt in your fantasy league, and hey, even if you're not in the playoff hunt in your fantasy league, because listen, the NFL's fun. You can play daily fantasy. You can bet if that's the thing that you can do in your state. You, you can get engaged with fantasy football and with the NFL uh, gamification landscape, regardless of what's happening in your season-long fantasy team. Anyways, the point of all that is to follow at Yahoo Fantasy. Noted Josh Jacobs supporter Andy Barons will be back tomorrow to help recap the news coming out of Week 12 and preview the Week 13 waiver wire. Until then, we're out. <laughs>